0: Welcome to Perry's Leadership Couch. Either you're thinking of firing all your employees, locking yourself in the bathroom to scream in disbelief, or
1: starting up your own business and have not slept in the last month, we have the stories from the people who are there or have been there. This is your dose of leadership
0: excellence and survival. All right, so welcome to Perry's Leadership Couch. I have with me Mike and Andrew. These are... Two great guys who have a background in doing restaurant work, really. And, and that's an industry that, and you know, anybody who can work in the restaurant industry has a high work ethic because that, that, that'll kill you. And they went from the restaurant industry trying to provide consulting services and had to pivot in the middle of it. And started becoming more towards the social media marketing aspect, and it's it's a really interesting journey how they went from starting their business to do one particular purpose and move to the next purpose. And and Mike Andrew, could could you give a? I know that's probably not a great introduction, but <laughs> could you give people fantastic. a better picture?
1: That was fantastic. Hey Perry, thanks for having us on today. Um. Yeah, Mike's going to tell you a little bit about our journey from restaurant consultants to digital marketers.
2: Yeah. No. We. Um. So. So as we said, we started as restaurant consultants, and the reason we started like that is because Andrew had ten years in the restaurant industry, and then also I went to a Babson College, studied entrepreneurship, and had started a business of my own. So we wanted to combine that entrepreneurship with um with Andrew's knowledge, and you know try to create a new business and fly high with the restaurant consulting. What we didn't realize is that, first of all, we weren't restaurant consultants. We weren't consultants at all. We um, we weren't, and and we didn't want to be them. So we did that for about a year. And what we found is that we were trying to go for a lot of easy wins or quick wins and things like that, things that weren't sustainable in terms of what we wanted to do, but also business-wise. And that led us down a crazy path where we only made $244 over the first year. So, so how did, how did you eat? <laughs> yeah. During, during those times we, um, Andrew, Andrew was working at Starbucks and also driving Uber. So he'd wake up at four going and clocking at four 30 at Starbucks. And then we'd start working the business at like 10 or 11. And then he'd drive Uber afterwards and I was reselling on Amazon. So, you know, our attention was completely split because, you know, we had to make money, put food on the table and and just survive.
0: Wow. So, I mean, like what, what's working 24 hours a day, basically trying to get, get this idea up and off the ground. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
1: it, it, it was a lot
0: of, it
1: was a lot of work, you know, it was, you know, sleeping three or four hours a night, um, having a lot of phone calls while I'm out driving for Uber with Mike to discuss different business directions and like realizing, wow, this really isn't what we're good at. The restaurant consultant. I remember a few calls while I was driving for Uber, waiting for the next ride, just talking. to am like, man, we gotta figure this out because this ain't
0: working. <laughs> <laughs> so for some reason, two hundred and forty-four dollars was not really the goal of the business plan. Right? That's not. <laughs> uh, I mean. It was probably what we were worth at that time. So, Oh, that lovely honesty. Yeah. So so what were you trying to pitch them? And and why did you – so obviously when you first started pitching them your idea of a restaurant consultancy, you thought it was the best thing ever. I mean, you two sat down, thought, man, this idea is going to work. It's going to be great. This is exactly what they need based on what we think. And so what was that? And how did you – what was the process – to where you got to the point where you said wait a second. This thing I think everybody needs nobody wants or nobody needs it from me at least. And how how was that how I mean it's it's a painful thing, right? How did you get there? Yeah, it's it's funny. So our
1: business really went through three different phases. We haven't told this story a lot. So the first one was restaurant consultant. So what that looked like was we were going to redesign your menu for you. We were going to do menu profitability. We were going to do data analytics on we. I'm not sure what we were going to do, but we said we were going to do it. Um, and then we talked about um, menu refresh. Oh, inventory control. We created a whole inventory system on Excel. It was wonderful. Um, And that was like the first stages of it. And then from there, we said, hey, we're going to do data analytics. And um, we took this course on like Udemy or one of those sites to learn data analytics. And we're like, wow, we actually don't know anything we're trying to sell. We're kind of scamming people right now. (laughs) Um, But but, I mean, we weren't scamming anyone because no one was paying us. uh, And rightfully so. And then we actually... We don't tell this story a lot. We actually did um, POS system resale for a while. So we thought, wow, we could get rich quick by partnering with these POS systems. And then from there, we could just make a bunch of money by selling them for them. And we actually closed two exclusive deals or two deals with um, Revel and Como, which was the one of the number one. POS systems in the US Mike did Mike had uh experience in negotiations and so he negotiated us a really good deal and uh we did that for a while. And so those were kind of the three stages of things we were offering people,
0: never really effective during the whole time. Yeah, and but they but they sounded good. And that's the thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh don't understand is that let me just wrap it up this way kind of what my experience is a lot of people say look start and learn as you go which is which is a valid thing because it's better than not starting at all exactly but, but there's the caveat of you need to learn very quickly and be very competent because you're probably selling something to somebody who knows something about what you're trying to sell <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And to your point, it really sounded
1: good to our friends and family. And that's really kind of what <laughs> we were looking for. So yeah. it, was, it was always super impressive. Like, yeah, we closed this deal with Revel, this top POS company. And they'd always be like, oh, wow, this is really cool. But, you know, we weren't telling them we weren't making any money. <laughs> <you know? laughs> <laughs> but I think I think Mike would agree that really it it just sounded cool to our friends and family and we wanted that validation. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I mean,
0: so, go ahead, sorry.
2: I was going to say we're we're a little bit younger. We're still trying to find our way in the world and we still are like, you know, we don't really have anything figured out, but a lot of it was just trying to, you know, have some type so, something to hang our hats on. Something like some kind of maybe maybe some ward. maybe You know, because everybody wins participation trophies. Now we wanted something that um, that could kind of validate us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've, I've been there and I think most entrepreneurs go through that. You have these great ideas and the people that you get to bounce them off of are the people that are around you. And because you're not successful, you don't normally associate with a lot of successful people. Absolutely. So you don't get to ask the successful people or bounce these ideas off of them and have them roll their eyes at you, which is a very useful thing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that, that, that's
2: great. One thing, Yeah, that's one thing Andrew and I talked about, um, like, you know, within, at the end of that first year and especially going to the second year, was that we were like, we have to surround ourselves with people who are actually doing stuff. You know, as you said, successful people, because we weren't, we were surrounded by people, um, not not everybody we're surrounded by. I don't want them to, some of them to hear the podcast and think we're, <laughs> we're dogging on them. But there are some people we're surrounding ourselves with that didn't really have any ambition or are very comfortable with where they were at in life. And that's not what we wanted to be, but since we're around that day to day, it just kind of manifested itself in us.
0: Yeah. And it's so hard to be an entrepreneur because, you know, until until something hits and you can pay your bills, all you are is a loser chasing after ideas. (laughs) (laughs) You basically just have a hobby is what we said. We said, you know, this is
1: basically a hobby right now.
0: Yeah. And so many people go through that. And I'll tell you what, I've been, I've been on the top and the bottom of this thing a couple of times because entrepreneurship is a bit like a roller coaster. You can make money one day, you can be dead broke the next. And when you're dead broke, it's amazing how many people who goes, oh, how stupid was he to have lost all of his money? And I've been the guy that lost all of his money and I've sat and, and got that. How stupid was he to lose all of his money? Comment. And it's like well not stupid, I'm an entrepreneur, I'll make it back but but if they're not in this they don't they don't see that, and they don't see that that struggle that you guys went through. but going back to the point, so at what point do you, so was it when you made the two hundred and forty four dollars? Is that when you said that's enough? I mean like <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I remember in uh I think it
1: was March of last year, yeah, I think it was March of last year i i was I had, I called up Mike. I said, yo, let's meet at Starbucks. Let's go like have a strategy meeting or something. But really, um, I wanted to talk to Mike because I was like, hey, we basically have three months to make money or I'm done with the business. And so during that meeting, we were kind of like, all right, we could kind of give up and stop going or we could actually put... Like we could actually start grinding and actually start making some money here. And we could actually like develop a proof of concept. And, you know, that's what we did. And, you know, sometimes like you're saying, Perry, it takes you to get to that low point of failure to kind of bounce back and be like, all right, I got to eat and I got to grow here. So it it was really that moment at Starbucks where we're like, this is make or break time. And, uh, you know, ever since then, we've just uh, had exponential growth, which has been, you know, a long road. But,
0: you know, it's just something you could be really proud of, you know. So so what happened in that meeting? I mean, did you set his pants on fire? I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> what was that conversation that, that got you guys focused on the right thing and and then, you know, had a plan to where you're actually taking the right actions that, that produced the result?
2: Yeah, Andrew, I mean Andrew was pretty, was really straight up. He was just like, "Hey, listen, like um you know, there's bills that need to be paid. We're spending a ton of time on this business. We need to start making some money. Like it doesn't have to be a ridiculous amount, but we need to start making some money so that you know, we both can justify the amount of time we've spent and we continue to spend on this business." And and, and that that was pretty much it in terms of that. And we didn't spend time wallowing in our failures and, and there are a lot at this point we didn't we didn't really feel defeated it was just like okay um you know let's then then we just started coming up with strategies we started we're like okay what does that look like what does making money actually look like what do we have to do in these next three months because we like agreed there like none of us wanted the business to end that was like it wasn't like oh this is like a setup to then come in two three months and you know be able to end the business in a in a good way was like no, we don't want that to happen. So let's figure out how to not make that
0: happen. Okay, and, and what did you do? What did what did you guys decide that night? Like what what were the takeaways that changed?
1: Definitely, yeah. So what we did was we started doing different case studies. So it was right around Cinco de Mayo time. So we're like, all right. Um, we had transitioned into photography and videography, and this was kind of like our first foray into selling it as a service partnered with the social media. We could kind of go back and talk about that in a little, but what we did was we said, Hey, let's create a campaign around Cinco de Mayo for a Mexican restaurant. Let's take photos. Let's create a video for it. And then let's, Start a so they didn't even have an Instagram at the time. So we started an Instagram for them and we built that out. We did two different photo shoots in one video shoot. And so we had content that we put up on social media. And what we did was we basically over three weeks did a campaign and we're like, we can, we'll bring in X amount of business. And what we did was Cinco de Mayo was on a Sunday and the sales for that Cinco de Mayo were actually higher than the previous Cinco de Mayo on a Friday and Saturday. And the competition around town, you know, we did some shopping around, calling around and they were calling different Mexican restaurants and all of their sales were actually down for that year. So what we noticed was, wow, we actually can... Like that was our first time like wow we're actually a business we did something it worked and we can we can replicate this and keep this going and going and going and then we actually brought them on for another six months after that to take over their social media and do videos and photos for them and then we got our next client and then we got our next client and then we're up to four clients within like a month and a half and so we're really like wow. We could really do this. We started making money. We started getting our proof of concept down and we really started to grow our skills during that time. So it was just a complete one hundred and eighty. And It was like, we did whatever it took to make it happen. When before we were like, we were, we were honestly okay with not making money. We just more so than anything, we were cool with telling people that we owned our own business and that was enough. Um, and this was finally the time where we just started making money and um, getting our proof of concept down.
0: So you started off, and you're like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do data analytics. I'm <laughs> gonna look at your menu, see your portion size, and I'm gonna remove an olive, and you're gonna be rich, <laughs> right?" So we, hey, hey, the airlines did it right. They saved like mil- that one airline. I forgot which one. Take one olive off or two olives off, mm-hmm. and saved like millions of dollars a year. Yeah. Penny smart pound stupid type of stuff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you started off with that concept. We're going to come in. We're going to. We don't know anything about analytics, but by God, by the time I'm done with you, <laughs> uh, we 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 will know and you will know what analytics are. Exactly. So, grinded for like what? A, was that a year? How how long were you grinding until you? Until you had that come to Jesus meeting? Um, that was uh, a year and three months at that point. A year and three months. Driving Uber and working at Starbucks to, to get the bills in every waking hour on the business, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. I, I, I can't imagine. People who are listening, <laughs> just – I mean, you can't uh, – going home and – get doing 9 to 5 and coming home to your kids is hard. You know, yeah. but <laughs> yeah trying to do all of what you were doing is, is just almost impossible.
1: And the th- the thing is, it was also doing it, like, depressed and, like – Because, you know, financial stress I found in my life is the like the hardest stress to deal with. And, you know, I wasn't making I was barely making enough to pay my bills. I almost got evicted twice. I was within like three days each time of getting evicted, but always got provided in that last hour to actually Mm -hmm. keep my apartment. There were days where I'd wake up. And I'd be driving for Uber, and I didn't have any food in my fridge or my pantry. And I didn't have any money. And what I would have to do is I'd have to go do two, three, four Uber drives, and then I could make money, and then I could go to the store to eat. So it was even like I was working a lot, going home, and it was great. I was, it took every ounce of me to stay out driving, to get up driving for Uber, to go to Starbucks, all these different things. So I remember that, you know, Starbucks has an expiration date of about five days or uh, sorry, one day on their breakfast sandwiches. And so I'd always go in at closing because they have to get rid of those breakfast sandwiches. And I'd always go pick them up. I'd be like, hey, guys, call me. I'm five minutes down the road. I'll come get these breakfast sandwiches. And I basically used to eat their pastries and breakfast sandwiches for like two meals out of every day.
0: Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't understand when they when they start a business, especially if you if you start a business and you don't have funds. Like th- there are different ways to to do mm-hmm. a startup. Sometimes you have some money. Like I when I do a startup, I've got some money. I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about these things, which is a good and a bad thing. Good because you're more at ease. Bad because somebody else needs to light a fire under your butt because <laughs> yeah. your bills aren't doing it. You know exactly exactly. <laughs> so the the advantage to what you had is there was a fire under your butt every day because the pantry was empty and your hut. Your stomach was telling yeah. you to get moving. Yeah. So and, and so now you got to the point after after a year and three months of of basically going on the, the poor man weight loss program <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and you decided uh, videos. I'm gonna take pictures. Like how did that how did pictures even come in to the conversation? Like yeah. analytics to video and pictures, that's a big, there, that's it's a a big story job. there. There's yeah, what's joke. that story?
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, about nine minutes or nine months into the analytics, we um, we were just trying to figure out how to get in front of owners, get conversations started with them. So, what we realized is that if we provide a free food photo shoot. Like a lot of restaurants are going to say yes, and then you know we'll get the owner or the director of marketing or the GM's um, contact information, or they'll even be at the shoot. And then, you know, so we're like, all right, we'll do that. We'll send them some pictures and we'll keep the conversation going about everything else we can do for them. So it was kind of just like this throwaway just to get our foot in the door. Like we didn't think of it too seriously. So about three months of that passed and we still weren't making any money. But we realized the only thing these guys cared about was the pictures. They only cared about the content. They didn't care. Like every time we started talking data analytics or whatever to them, it was just a huge turnoff. But if we were talking pictures and like, oh, how pretty their meal looked and all this stuff, then they were like, they're ready to talk and they would keep the conversation going. So it took us about three, four months to realize, hey, let's listen to what the people are telling us and focus on that. And so that's how we pivoted from uh, from data analytics and all that to like doing pictures and videos.
1: And, and so here's the thing about when we say pictures and videos, all right? So Mike had a Nikon camera, right? This was a 2011 Nikon camera in 2018. So it was basically a seven-year-old camera with one lens. And what we would do since we knew nothing, when I say, Perry, we knew nothing about photography and videography, we knew nothing. I didn't even know how to edit on my phone a picture. Um, so what we did was we would take that Nikon camera to the shoots, but it was just a peacock. So whenever the the owner, whenever the owner would come out or the bar manager or one of the staff members, Mike would be like, Hey Andrew, like make just pretend like you're taking photos on it. And so there would be times like where he'd have to be like, Andrew, you have to take the cap off or the lens off. So you could actually act like you're taking a real photo. So I would say for about 10 photo shoots, we were really using our phone. But we were bringing that Nikon camera to pretend like we knew what we were doing and that they were getting professional quality photos. But in reality, they were just getting iphone photos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you got to do, you, you do it with what you can, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So so let me get to see if I understand this straight. So you, you spent about three months talking to people, and every time you said analytics, you watched their eyes gloss over <laughs> and and then you started thinking to yourself well look i they will they will let me bore them if i promise to give them pictures i think they like the pictures (laughs) yeah
1: basically yeah that that shows our business savvy at that point it took us three months to realize that they weren't biting on the stuff that they hadn't been biting on for the
0: nine months previous (laughs) That's right. so many people are in that same boat cuz you get this idea of what you should be selling and what they should want and it's like you're not you're not looking at your client and seeing what your client needs you're looking at your client and imposing what you think you would need if you were them but you're not them and you don't live their life and you don't know what they're struggling with they don't know what they're dealing with and uh and you know sometimes what they what they want i mean if you're in a business the number one thing that you want to do is increase your sales period Exactly. You know, I I have close friends of mine that that run fairly substantial companies, and some of them small ones. And one of them, one of my best friends, will be on this podcast, if not my best friend. Uh, he has a an IT company that, and he goes through this boom and bust cycle, which I've done too in my businesses. And I told him, I said, you know what, our problem is, is that we care so much about execution that we forget that we need to continue acquiring clients. So we get this, you know, multi-million dollar contract, and then we will go in and, and execute because, you know, like any good entrepreneur, the only per- person that can do this right is me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, that's exactly right. And you get caught up in that. And then you get into that, into that bus cycle because you haven't went to go get more business. And if you wanted to t- sell to my friend, something that would help him execute better, he, he'd he listen to you, but probably kick you out the door. But if you could <laughs> promise him a way to where you'd end the boom and bust cycle, you would increase his sales, stabilize his sales. He would be like, okay, what time are we going to meet? Because that's what he needed. Yeah. But so many people called him up trying to sell him a piece of software, or I've got this service where I, oh, you need to hire people. So I, I got, you know, this company that can that can vet people for you, and there, there's five million. You shake a stick at a tree, they fall out like candy, and um, yeah, you know, and then you get to the uh, you get to knowing what your client actually needs. So that that was great. So how long have you have you been in this new this new pivot?
1: Yeah, so I would say right around April of last year was when we first started creating content and at that point still half the content we were creating was on the phone mike had learned some things on the camera but it was after that campaign that cinco de mayo campaign where we really started to take it serious and i would say since april of last year mike has spent over three three to five thousand hours of studying how to do photography and videography um you know, YouTube tutorials, uh, photographer meetups, all these different things that Mike has just used or has really learned over those over that time frame, which is just crazy to think about because we hadn't created anything before that. He learned Photoshop. He learned Lightroom. He learned Um, Premiere Pro and all these different things and he learned different cameras and lighting and all those different things to where we've made so much money through the photography and videography we're able to get the newest Sony camera with three different lenses we're able to get uh, four different lighting kits um, stabilizers all the different tools to make this really eye-catching. Really, we say it's content that makes people stop. So when you see a piece of our content on social media, we want you to stop with it, engage it, and interact it. And Mike captures all the content that we create with that in mind. So it it really is remarkable um, how far Mike has come as a content creator in, uh, I don't know how many months is that? 16? 18 months?
2: I appreciate that, man. That ringing endorsement.
0: Oh yeah, very good. Does that mean that Mike gets uh, more of the profits now? Is that is that this? Uh, is this kind of <laughs>
2: <good>? <laughs> oh no 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 no! Because no. what Andrew is neglecting to talk about
0: is all the
2: uh, the social media savvy he's developed. So the same way I knew nothing about cameras, editing, whatever. Um, March of was it? Yeah, March of last year. Um, Andrew knew nothing of social media, how to run campaigns, how to run ads, how to run accounts. Um, how to maximize your engagement and actually make it useful for your business. But since then he's ran. So as we said, we had a, we had four clients. um, We pretty much had four clients from like April to the end of last year. And then we, we got a really big one in January and all of those were running different social media things with them. And Andrew's just been a monster on it. And so like, I, I, I don't know the exact split, but I'm pretty sure it's like somewhere 50-50 where it's like the social clients that Andrew runs and he's putting in a majority of the time for those guys. Then like the individual product, projects where I'm putting majority time in the content creation is like bringing like almost a 50-50 split of revenue to the business. And, and both of that's been both of us just grinding and learning because that's what we learned too um, sometime last year once we really got our stuff together. It's like we didn't know how to do data analytics. We tried to learn it, but we weren't aggressive on learning it. And then we didn't know how to do photos and social media, but we aggressively learned that and we aggressively upped our skills so that we could actually provide those services at a professional level. I think that's a huge difference.
0: Yeah, I like I like the way that you said that is we aggressively learned it, and probably because you saw that people are willing to actually give you money for it. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I mean, that's the greatest
1: validation in business is getting paid. You know. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That is the greatest validation in business: <laughs> getting paid and then not 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 having them come back, going, "Hey, you know that thing I paid you? Could you give that back?"
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly.
0: Oh, uh, I feel like that
2: that breaks your heart. That kind of pushes you to be better. As you're saying, you you sign you sign that big client, and you want to make sure you do it because part of it is you don't want them to ask for a refund at the end.
0: Like that's that's right. That's yeah, a heartbreaker.
1: I mean, we we pride ourselves in that we've only. Done one one uh painful photo shoot that we had to return the money. And the reason is we had a photo shoot at the beer festival in Decatur here in Atlanta, and uh it was raining and we thought the camera was waterproof. And so we were creating all this content while it was pouring on our camera because we thought it'd survive. And then that same night, there was an engagement shoot and uh, we took that camera and... uh, It just
2: wouldn't even work. Oh, wow. It wouldn't
1: even work and uh, this was a referral, so it was a friend who gave us this and that was probably the toughest thing we've had to deal with. It's like, hey, we know you gave us this referral and this was a really special moment in this person's life. Uh, but we don't we don't have this engagement party shoot for you any of this content. So uh, yeah. needless to say, we don't touch weddings or engagements. So don't ask. Us <laughs>
0: <that>. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, that has to be the most difficult job. You know, when I got married, um, I had like a, de- a destination wedding over in the Dominican Republic, which is where I lived for a good long time. Nice and. You know, the the photographer that we had, I I forgot his name. He's absolutely amazing. But the patience on the man. I mean, I didn't care. I'm like, look, if you just like take a couple of pictures, I'm good to go. Yeah, absolutely. My wife didn't think the same way. <laughs> no, no, I,
1: I think my wife treasures those wedding photos more than anything else we have in <laughs> the zone.
0: She's like, when I divorce place. you, I'm still gonna keep the photos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, that's funny.
0: So and. I've been looking at your at some of your pictures. I looked through a couple of them, and, and they look absolutely fantastic. So, doing that pivot, you're now. I mean, I, you said you're 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 calling me from your office, so you're obviously not behind Starbucks uh, in the dumpster uh, <laughs> trying to make phone calls anymore. So, it's going pretty well for you. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we found a, we found a lot of
1: success. Uh, we basically doubled our revenue by uh, I think it was by May of this year, June. Um, and even with the pandemic, these last few months, we, or last month, we had one of our biggest months ever sales was. So, um, th- things are going really well and we're headed in the right direction and we're getting even more focused. This pandemic has only helped us focus on building our brand and figuring out how to do sales. Cause I would say that's probably Mike and I's biggest weakness is we don't, we don't, we're not very salesy people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we sometimes we focus too much on building the brand, hoping people come to us. But we're really starting to hone in our sales and really grow in that aspect of our business, you know. But the the cool thing is um, about what we've done is we haven't taken on any debt. And all the money that, not all the money, we pay ourselves a portion, but we've been able to get every single thing that we have, you know, computers, um, photography equipment, light equipment, all the different subscriptions that we have um, has all been paid for out of, our, out of our own pockets of money that we've made.
0: No, that's that's fantastic. And and being able to to be able to take money out of a business. So- most most companies, when you start up, they they're, you start up to lose money. You don't make money the first day you start. Sometimes you don't make money the first year you start. And <laughs> yeah. sometimes if you're Amazon, you don't make money the first decade you start. Yeah, but- <laughs> exactly. Crazy. So, so getting to a point to where you're actually generating an income that, that you know, I, and if, if you are listening to this and, and you don't know anything about camera equipment, now I have a, a Canon um, but I got the Canon Rebel because I'm cheap, so it's not even a full camera. It's just it's yeah. that, that APC APS-C chip, the the half camera. Yeah. And for people who don't understand, look, a, a, a full DSLR camera, the the crappiest one on the market is going to run you about twenty five hundred dollars. And lenses, forget it. I oh, mean, yeah. if you want a decent lens, I mean, the camera was nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's like they want professional photo shoots. You need to, that br- background to be blurry, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah. You think um, you want a 1.4 lens? Okay. All right. Yeah. $3,000 for that, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, you want to, not just 50 millimeter, you want a range? Okay. Okay, <laughs> where'd you want So yeah. uh, just to get some people who are listening some perspective that might not know what, what, the, what the cost it is to get into what you're doing. And to go from doing it on your iPhone and a Nikon camera that not only did you not know how to use, but was also too old to be used in the first place, yeah. um, to, to within one year, having a full set of equipment to be able to do professional shoots. And I'd encourage anybody to go, go look at their, their, uh, their Instagram or, or whatever their, their photos are, are fantastic. Um, is is a huge accomplishment, and you're paying yourself, and you're eating, and it's not leftover food, dude. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. It, it, you know, it, it
1: took a lot. It, it took a lot of sacrifice. It took a lot of, you know, not going the pre-COVID, not going to sporting events, not spending money going out, and really just honing in our craft and on weekend nights, you know, just sitting up and. Learning about social media, different trends, things like that, because I always like to stay ahead of the trends and uh, like mirror what the trends are to our business and use that um, advice and wisdom on ourselves as well. So it, it it takes a lot of sacrifice to get to this. And, you know, we're about to enter our third year and this is really the time where we're gonna start growing and whatnot, but a lot of people would have already
0: quit at this point they would have quit in that first year of only two
1: hundred forty four dollars
0: yeah oh that's one thing that that you know this is what I love talking about people who've actually talking with people who have actually been through it is you you will lose your shirt as an entrepreneur it's it's not a question of of You know, will it or will it not happen? Eventually, it's going to happen. I mean, you're either going to start off broke and have a couple of failed uh, ideas before you get your feet underneath you, and maybe even after you get your feet underneath you, you'll you'll make a couple of bad decisions in the future because that's part of being an entrepreneur. That's why when when we talk about capitalism in general, it's like, well, why are people able to then generate a lot of income? Well, the problem is, is that to get there, they had to risk a lot, and a lot of times that can that means meeting behind a starbucks to go get your breakfast for the next day because their food expired i exactly. when i was in college dude and i posted this on my facebook just just recently uh kroger in in is a food chain in the south you have kroger's over there in atlanta oh yeah oh yeah yeah. okay do you rem- and i i don't know if you remember this do you remember that kroger's used to, ran a campaign called always fresh yes uh-huh yep okay i was in college uh, this is 20 something years ago and Kroger was running always fresh advertisement you you will if anything is past its date we will give you a good item free hmm. mhm 1159 oh, right. yep i was in that grocery store <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i yep. found expired coca cola baby <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man that is a fantastic story
0: i love that
1: yeah, but broke that, college
0: students coming up front with all that expired merchandise, the checkout per lady look at us like, you bunch of fools. <laughs> like, hey,
1: but I mean, re- that that really is what it takes. And I think that's why a lot of people don't pursue entrepreneurship is because you, you hear and see stories like that. And you don't want to give up the comfortability of what you're doing, even if it means being miserable in a nine to five job working for someone else and a boss that you don't like.
2: And I think I think a lot of times people have too much pride to do that. People don't want to be, you know, having to text their coworkers at Starbucks saying, Hey, I I need to pick up the food to eat or go into Kroger and, you know, like game in the system like that. Um, they they want to be comfortable, they want to look like they have their stuff together. And so they never take those risks that you say because the the actual risk of it, the the falling of it is almost too much for them to handle from a mental side when there's a million ways they can handle it from actual physical needs side.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. That that's definitely something that, that people challenge with and and entrepreneurs. One is not for everybody. Um, some people do need to go to work and do a nine to five job because that's what suits them. That's what fits them. And if they try to be an entrepreneur, all they're going to do is cause pain in their own life for the rest of their life. I mean, that's, you have to be a little bit of a sick puppy. Like you have (laughs) to be willing to go behind Starbucks to get your next meal while driving Uber and working at Starbucks, trying to sell Starbucks Mm. data analytics. Um, (laughs) 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 Like you gotta be a little bit of a sick puppy. To, to be able to engage in it. And you can't be, you can't be scared of, you can't be completely stuck by fear. Yeah. You have to be okay with it not working and, and taking that risk. And, and that's something that I hear in your story is that you guys took that risk over and over and over and over again, just to get to, to something that finally is working out for you, which is, which is exciting.
2: Definitely, definitely, and I, I agree. It's uh, entrepreneurship is chaos. Uh, it is continuous chaos in every in, in so many aspects of your life, and you have to willingly step into that chaos. You have to step away from stability, maybe you have to step away from um, support and comfort, and then say, "I'm going to enter a chaotic world where I don't even know what the next step like." It's it's twelve o'clock on a Monday. I don't know what I need to do from twelve to one to keep my business going, but I have to figure it out. And yeah, it is not for everybody.
1: Yeah. And, and I think the biggest thing there is that everyone just needs to do its best for them. If you have that entrepreneur spirit and desire, do that. If you want to be a lawyer, be a lawyer. But what, what, I, what I hate to see is that, you know, some people would be like, oh, my parents said I need to go to college. So I'm going to take on all of this debt just because my parents want me to do this and I'll be miserable in the career that they're suggesting for me, but I'm going to do it for them. So, you know, I just, I have a real soft spot for people who have those kind of parents and, you know, the mess, the message to them is that, man, just deal with that, their quote unquote disappointment and pursue what you love because it's your life to live, you know?
0: Yeah, and and it's it's important to you know know, know thyself, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to go to college and study this. It's like, well, you don't. Okay, so so what are the actual reasons why you don't want to do that? And if it comes out to being like, I just want to disobey my parents because I like being a rebellious person, exactly. then get your butt to college. Exactly. Um, and then when you talk about entrepreneurship, it's being honest with yourself and going, okay, is it okay? That if I fail, I'm unable to pay my bills. And I had a gentleman that I worked with, grad- Harvard graduate, very, very smart man, uh, worked for me here uh, for a project. And he wanted to get involved in, in, a, in a company that I was starting. And he wanted to open up a branch of this company. Again, this a company I have not started yet, but I'm going to start it. And he wanted to have the branch in New York City because I planned on moving. So we had a conversation. I said, OK, look, let's do this. Let's go out for dinner, just you and me. And I just want to have dinner with you and I'm, but we're going to talk real about before you start. So I sat down, we're having dinner and I looked at him. I said, how long will it take for your wife to divorce you if you go broke? He just looked at me, huh? I said, I'm just wondering, think about it. How long will it take for your wife to divorce you if you go broke? Cause he wasn't in a fight. He's not like he's investing. He's going to do this. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, and he looks at me, he goes, "Well, I don't know a month or two, or <laughs> you know He's oh, like Wow and and I'm like, you have to understand, he's not an entrepreneur type of person. Again, he's a graduate from Harvard. He, he had a lot of things going. Not, not, and he wasn't one of those rich people that went to Harvard, right? He was one of those that got in on the outskirts, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's one of the pity cases, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take him in. He's smart and poor guy. Didn't have anything good going for him. Let's we'll bring him in. Um,
2: <laughs> he wasn't part of the gentleman's club.
0: <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. He doesn't go to the tea parties that where everybody hands everybody money. Um <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, I've got this contract here. Hey, how about you? Take this contract. He was not part of that club. Um, and, and best I know he's still not part of that club, but he's a great guy. I love him to death. Um, but I, I had to present him with these real questions. I'm like, you do understand that you will. And he he talked about, well, can I do this while doing this other thing at the same time? And I said, Well, how badly do you want to fail? Yeah, because Every time you distract yourself with this other thing, you're increasing your probability of failing with this thing, which means you're going to get to the point where you're bankrupt and two months later, your wife is going to divorce you. So is this something that you have the discipline and capability to actually do? And if they can pass the litmus test, because that's like the foundation, right? If you cannot, if you cannot be okay with going broke, if you are not okay with diverting all of your attention to this one thing, if you're an investor, that's different. But if you're the entrepreneur, you're coming in at ground level, you and like two other buddies are starting something up and you've put your little life savings into it, $50,000, 100000 whatever it is, and you're starting it up. If you are not okay with shifting your entire focus to it, if you're not okay of giving up everything else for this, and if you're not okay of doing all of that and still going broke, then you need to not do it. Because all of those things are very real. Like 90% of the time happens real.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: if you're not okay with that, you're in that 90%. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a great point that, you know, it's not for everyone. And it, it just takes extreme determination and grit. If you don't have that, just... I wouldn't even try. It, you know, It's it takes so much drowning out the outside noise, not listening to other people, putting your head down, not watching the games on the weekend, not watching the Super Bowl because you're working on – a project for your client, all these different things, you you cannot have both lives, the convenience of going and doing every little thing and really, truly grinding out and growing a business, you know, and that's, that's, that's a hard thing to, um, accept, but I, I think it's really the only way you become a successful business that is making money.
0: Yeah. And then there's the other side of it. I mean, right now, I think you guys are still in the infant stages and eventually you grow bigger. You have a bigger staff. And if you learn leadership and you train them, then you can start replacing yourself. And suddenly, even though you're active in the business, you've brought up competent people. And now you start to live the life that you've been going for. Yeah. But there was a debt to pay first, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Absolutely, man. So what are, what are the next few things? I'm just wondering about your, about your business in general. What, what are the next couple of things that you're shooting for? What are your next goals?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So um, we made our six-month plan back in August, and that got us laser focused. And the big thing we're doing right now is building our brand. So we're actually working on putting out a clothing line as well that's Cork Bros Branded. We're working on a mini series TV show that we're in talks with uh, some big beer distributors to do a show that's finding the best dish in Atlanta from um, black owned restaurants or black chefs. And then pairing their top dish with beer and really educating people how to pair beer or cocktails um, with the dish and then adding an entertaining com- component to it too so we're bringing in different influencers um local influencers and having them try the dish with us and then doing some fun things on camera um with them it's going to be a big production um so that's one thing that's next and then um man what what else we got going on mike
2: Oh man, we got a documentary we're filming this week Uh
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, Andrew, are you not showing up Monday? <laughs> what's happening now? <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, we, we got a documentary that we're filming this week.
2: Yeah, and um that so that's going to be how we we've selected a few different restaurants and breweries, um bottle shops and and we're going to be discussing with them in the documentary how COVID Has affected them, you know, from like when it first started, everything shut down to when they started, you know, there's just their journey to bring people back in or curbside, whatever the heck it was, like all the insecurities and uncertainties that happened. Um, So that's, we start filming that this week. And then um, we also... We're uh, we're putting together a lot of the a lot of the data and also getting a lot more data. Hey, actually, we're doing a little data analytics now. We're um, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's coming <laughs> kind of full circle. circle. <laughs> yeah, we're um, uh, different clients we've had, and um, some we're gonna run some campaigns in um, this coming month too to get a few targeted case studies to do what Andrew was saying, which was increase our sales and our sales effort because you know we want to have some very concrete things that we can tell people that we've done for people in the past. We can do something similar for you, things like that. So those, those are the main big ticket things on the menu right now.
0: No, that's great. And one, one thing I had a buddy of mine who's, um, again, he has a, a fairly decent sized company and you're know, getting, getting in front of people is, is one of the most challenging things. So it's, it's one thing to drive traffic, which is what I assume that's major, Primarily what you guys do is branding and, and just overall driving traffic to a location. Is that kind of the specialty?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, And, and doing that and getting someone to give you a check in person one-on-one is a whole different it's, – it's like a completely different type of marketing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely.
0: For him, what, what he had, and he sells large large software packages, um, I introduced them. I'm not going to say their name on here unless they start uh, advertising with me, and giving me <laughs> money. But it's essentially a a, a service that, that helps make phone calls for you to help get you in front of people and set up those appointments. Because a lot of when, when you're trying to get those individual clients, there's there's a little bit that you can do with networking. So, depending how many people you know, and who those people know, you might be able to sit in front of somebody who's interesting that wants to talk to you. And but that's a limited pool. Mm-hmm. You only know so many people, yeah. and only so many of those people know you well enough or like you well enough to introduce you to somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, the guy that did the whole thing for the engagement, the reference—that that's not the guy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> 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 there's going to be a lot of beers having to be bought for that gentleman. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. So, you know, that direct contact is either picking up the phone and 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 calling people directly over and over, which is just a just a terrible thing to have to do, but is a very effective way to get that first foot in the door because every business that I that I've done, I I've, don't think I've ever done one where people just called me except for the power business, but then you have to go look out for the bids and then put the bids together and all that, but it's a little bit different, but everything else, you pretty much have to go out and find your client and get in front of them somehow. And it's that direct contact that, that helps them or some of the so- social media stuff where, you know, click here to contact me or, or, or whatever that can help, I guess.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, one, one of the biggest things that we did. Um, so we've, we've created content and, um, have contacts with uh, Angry Orchard, Founders Brewing, Box Water, Just Water, Rabbit Hole, um, Body Armor, just to name a few of companies that we've um, partnered with and created content with. And we did all of that reaching out through social media, direct messages on Instagram. And we got them, our strategy was, hey, we send us some product, We'll create some content for free. We'll send it back to you. And free of charge, no strings attached, things like that. Here's some photos to see what we've done in the past. Love for you to send it. Love for you to send us stuff. And what that did was, you know, all those brands reached out and sent us stuff. And like Angry Orchard sent us seven cases of their beer and different things like that. But what it did was it got us in contact with the director of marketing, the social media manager, the CEO, yeah. these important people. And now we have all those contacts and we've gone back and actually, um, you know, done paid shoots with some of these brands. So that's, that's one way that we've been um, kind of different. Cause I, man, this cold calling—that's just, that's just not me. Mike and I, tr- <laughs> Mike and favorable. I, yeah, Mike and I tried that for a while, and it's just not us. So we figured out the best way for us to do it. And you know, we've reached out to over um, 500 brands at this point, and um, we've had—I think we're at like 35 brands have already sent us stuff, and we're in contact with. So that that's, that's another way to do it, but you know, it takes reaching out to 540 different brands. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's basically, it's the same thing as cold calling, but in, in a different format, you're doing electronic format going, Hey, (laughs) give give me some of your stuff. I'll send you. And so that, so the, the hook's been working for you. So you did the, the shoot for them for free. You sent them back uh, some of their photos of their product Mm -hmm. and then they called back in and with that contact said, Hey, can you do a shoot for us? Yeah.
2: Yeah, sometimes it'll be like, oh, hey, we love these studio shots. We actually need a studio campaign for a new product or a current product or something like that. And then we get into contacts with them. Or it'll be like, hey, we have something. You know, we want to do an influencer campaign or something something along those lines. Or we want to do a summer campaign. And you guys clearly know how to take good photos of our products. So let's uh, let's have that happen.
1: And and that's uh, great other thing that has really helped is that um, they will post to their page as well. So, you know, Angry Orchard, Boxwater, Just Water, all these guys have posted our photos to their page and tagged us. And we've had people reach out because they're starting to see us because we got very specific who we were targeting, the beverage industry. And and so a lot of people in the beverage industry are following all these different brands. And what's happened is people start to see, oh, my goodness, they're working with these guys, these guys, these guys. Like these are the guys we got to work with to create content with. And now people are starting to reach out to us that way as well. And, you know, it's sometimes, you know, our pricing is just too expensive for them. But we're starting to get more and more people start to reach out and notice um, notice us as well. So it, it, the whole, like, campaign and the marketing strategy behind it has, has
0: really started uh, working for us. Well, let let's take one one step back cuz you said something that's really 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 important and then i want to and then i want to expand on what you just said but mm-hmm. the you said we've got very specific with our market we chose the beverage industry what got you there
1: definitely yeah so um we noticed that a lot of beverage companies, breweries, uh, distilleries, um, these water bottle companies, sports drinks, they have a really big marketing budget and they're very visual. So on social media, all these brands have really big followings. And so we notice like, Hey, these guys need really high quality content. And so, and it's really easy to do in the studio and with lifestyle, um, and so those are two of the main reasons that we chose the beverage industry. Mike, would you would you have any other input there? Yeah, and we also
2: chose them because we we'd had prior experience with them. So a lot of our clients um, either they're a restaurant and we shot their drinks there, or they're breweries, and so we're mostly shooting beer at their place. So we so we already had experience doing that. And a huge thing with photography and videography once you start changing the product you're changing the techniques too. So we didn't have to go and relearn any of those things. We're just refining them.
0: Okay. So this was actually, and uh, you, you looked and you studied what they had and it goes, these are, these clients are the ones that are looking for, for particular. So you, you went from restaurants to the beverage industry because you figured the beverage industry is even more interested in this than, than the restaurants. Exactly. Yeah. There's yeah, but- money on it
1: the the restaurant's profit margins just wasn't enough and they're very conventional with their marketing like we talk to a lot of them they say oh yeah it's just a lot of word of mouth or oh we're sending out these different flyers or "Oh, blah 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 and you know a lot of these local restaurant owners are someone who came from the finance industry and so they don't know a lot about restaurants and how to brand them and things like that. And so they just weren't spending the money like these other beverage brands and breweries.
0: Yeah, they they didn't understand the value of your services. So what you did is you found a client or a, a market that understood you and mm-hmm. what you did and valued it so so you were able to get in and work with them. And then you, you compiled a list of people and so far you've reached out to 500 of them and about four or five of them so far have turned, and these are big brands, have turned into paying clients of yours.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly.
0: Well, oh, that that's that's fantastic. I mean that that is one thing that's very important that people don't understand is that you have to understand who you are selling to. Yes. And you've made so many pivots, right? So you started off going, "I'm going to sell them analytics that I don't understand," and then <laughs> and then you said, "Okay, two hundred forty four dollars in leftover Starbucks ain't cutting it," and. <laughs> And You realize that you are already doing your business because you were offering free pictures and they would accept them and let you bore them. And mm-hmm. you start to figure out, hey, they want the pictures. They don't want the pitch on the analytics. So you go into the pictures thing, do a campaign, proof of concept, help this restaurant generate a tremendous amount of sales, go, OK. So other restaurants go, well, we'd like sales, too. And they hire you. And then you develop into, OK, wait a second these These clients they're there they their money is good, but they're interested in us in in a very s- small way. however, yeah. these beverage companies really need to brand they need these pictures that we're now really good at doing, yeah. and they pay better. yeah, exactly and plus they give you free beer
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <I
1: don't, laughs> yeah so i don't I don't actually drink, but the amount of free beer. And alcohol that Mike has gotten, I can't remember the last time I've gone somewhere with Mike and he's had to pay for something. <laughs> it's, it's shocking to me to
2: pay for, a, for for drinks at a bar at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah,
0: man. way back in the day, just kind of going into to what you guys are doing. Um, I had a restaurant in Argentina called okay. uh, Schumacher's uh, El Patio Schumacher. Well, my dad had a restaurant, so I let's put it that way. And I worked at it. I opened up a nightclub, <laughs> so, so that was more me. <laughs> yeah, you know the more
2: fun version. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. And so in Argentina, they have a local beer called Quilmes, which now you can probably get here in the U.S. pretty easily. And and they had Heineken, which was owned by Budweiser, and they were they were trying to get into that market. Mm-hmm. And nobody, you know, Heineken was a snooty beer. and if you were from that town and you drank Heineken, it was because you were rich, because <laughs> yeah. that's the only way you could afford it. Yeah. Everybody else drank Guinness. So my my yeah. little restaurant nightclub, you know, we're Americans in, in a foreign country and, and there's a certain clientele, level of clientele that we attracted. So Heineken was extremely interested in working with us and they actually Gave us new tables, new chairs, painted the place, banners, uh, the, the uniforms. I, they essentially half built my restaurant just so I'd sell their beer exclusively. Exclusively, wow. yeah. So that is such a market for you guys uh, to, to tap into because they really understand. They didn't want me to sell their beer exclusively just for fun. They're like this place is downtown is visible to the people who we want to start consuming our product, and it's the same thing that you're doing except through pictures. So they they definitely value that. It's interesting that you that you've you know, you went from analytics to finally understanding that and then understanding your client. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, it's come yeah. kind of full circle. It's crazy. Well, sure. I think I think a lot of it too is, is experience. Like you know, through all the months and years we're doing stuff. Like we wanted we wanted to have that business sense with the analytics and consulting at the start, but we didn't have the experience to, to even leverage that or, or do anything with that. But now, you know, it's not even necessarily that intentional. Like we're not saying, Oh, we're, we're data analysts again, but now we have the experience where it's more of a natural fit.
0: Yeah. That, that makes sense. H- how are you using analytics now? Like what are, what are you doing with it at the moment?
1: Yeah. So a lot of the analytics that we're using is uh, social media and um, like how that's affecting sales. So for example, Jekyll Brewing is one of our clients and we they are doing their first annual Oktoberfest this year. And so what we did was we had a marketing budget that we did for Facebook ads. And then we basically just posted every day for um two and a half weeks to build the hype up for the for their um Oktoberfest. And their two big goals were to they did these customized one liter Steins that they were selling and they introduced uh pretzels and beer cheese to the menu for their little Oktoberfest theme thing. And so what what we have done um and the case study will end tomorrow for this one, but uh basically We're seeing how many different, um, Steins they ordered, how many refills, because it was $15 for a refill, $20 for a Stein, $15 for a pretzel. And, um, we're basically using to see how much it's affected or like how big their sales are. And we were on our, we do weekly calls with each of our clients and we're on the call, um, This past Monday and they were saying um, that they had already sold 198 of the Steins and they're actually keeping pretzels on their menu because they sold so many and they, you know, social media, sometimes it's hard to say, oh, I saw this social media post. So I came in, but how you can kind of track that is they said they had a lot of people coming in already asking about the Steins and the pretzels and the different menu items that they've introduced. And so this is, this is kind of one of our biggest kind of case studies that we've done um, around it. So we're really looking at the reach, the impressions um, profile visits, or website visits, different things like that. And then going and talking to the client to see how, um that specific case studies performing.
0: Oh that's great. That's it. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And so when you go there you get free Steins and pretzels. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean every every time we go in there we're doing a menu shoot. And so basically um we're getting two to three different menu items each. <laughs> and then, um, you know, Mike's usually having three or four beers while we're in there. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, look, you know I, I have a bunch of family in Greenville, South Carolina, about two hours out of Atlanta, maybe an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. So it's a forty-minute flight on on an airplane the size of my toenail. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so if when I go down there, I'll just call and hey, Andrew, you guys doing any shoots anywhere Oh
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <to> <laughs> free food with you guys. <laughs> just just call us when you come down. We could always get some free food, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and Atlanta is such a great city, but man, I, I stayed at the whatever the hotel. Is it's in the in the CNN building. I forgot the name of it, but it's yeah. uh, nice old place.
1: Um, yeah,
0: yeah, that's it. And and they, they were the one thing that I noticed in Atlanta. I don't know if this is true all the time. I just and i guess i'll ask you guys since you live there and when i was at the omni and, and we had a little bit of a hiccup they actually turned around and said go to our restaurant get whatever you want i mean anytime that i had a problem in atlanta with the business they were all so so very willing and wanting to make things right yeah. all the time is, is that a cultural thing there is that is that yeah. an atlanta
1: thing no, uh, it's – you definitely – I think – what's it called? Southern Nice or something? Wait, that's Minnesota. Southern nice. Hospitality. Southern Hospitality there <laughs> is. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's definitely a thing around here. And I noticed that because, you know, I've lived all over. I've lived in Chicago, California, North Carolina, Arizona. And this is – sometimes, though, it is fake. But mm-hmm. I do I do notice that a lot of the business owners are willing to fix – different things and different mistakes.
0: Yeah, that's that's that, that's one thing I was so impressed with while I was there. So I, I know that we're, we're coming up on the hour that, that we talked about. So I don't want to keep you guys too long. But if there's a restaurant um, somewhere that wants to contact you or a beverage company who happens to be listening to this podcast, what, what would they do to 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 be able to talk to you and see if there's anything that they want to do with you?
1: Yeah, definitely. the best The best way to get in contact
0: with us is um, on our Instagram,
1: and the reason we say that is you could see all of our visual work, photos, videos, different things like that on there. And then in our Instagram, which is the Cork Bros T H E C O R K B R O S, in that. In the bio is a link and you'll get a link to our website, to different media platforms that we've been on, social media, case studies, different things like that will all be in that link. And just send us a message or you could click on call or you could click on email through our uh, Instagram account. And if you don't have one, you're, you're probably not the client for us. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or maybe they are really the client for you. you know? yeah, <laughs> so they yeah. have come with it, like a like a briefcase of money. <laughs> yeah, really look at it. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> just a quick question. Now that Cinco de Mayo case study, what what percentage increase in sales did they did they see?
2: So they they couldn't they couldn't provide us those numbers, um, mm-hmm. but I, I think. I think it was at least like a thirty percent over the uh, the two singleton miles before that. Yeah, yeah. If if
1: if I remember right, yeah, they didn't disclose the exact number to us. Um, but if I remember right, it was it was more than a twenty five percent increase in sales year over year, and uh, yeah, it was one of their it
0: was their busiest Sunday the entire year as well. Yeah, and and they went up while the rest of the restaurants went down yeah exactly like and so just to put some context to it at that time they had no idea what they were doing and some- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, so now they're actually better than yeah. they were back then so if you call <laughs> them now <laughs> yeah
1: exactly yeah we've we've learned so much throughout the throughout the years of doing this oh, throughout the year and a half it's crazy <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I'll give you a call later on to ask about pictures. I got this camera just for fun, but my goodness, man! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, did. I I got you know. Um, the, there's this place called Humble. Humble Bundle sells video games and and actually books and stuff too. So I went on there and they had this uh, Humble Bundle for Light Pro and all these uh, softwares for like 35 bucks. And it, like if you donate it, and mm-hmm. so I went and did that. And and again, I'm not I'm not a photo guy. And I download. I opened the I opened up the first picture. I looked at it and I said, "Yep, I think I'm going to do something else." <laughs> 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 like this doesn't pay my bills. This looks like it's more time that I want to spend. <laughs> oh <laughs> man!
1: Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic! I love that story.
0: <laughs> so kudos to both of you for for going through all of that and learning it all, man. That's amazing. <laughs> right. Absolutely.